0: you would take your Bibles, please. We'll be in the book of Romans this morning. We'll be looking at verses 1, 8 through 12, but we'll be focusing on 11 and 12. And the reason why I wanted to read the whole section is just so you would have a context. We talked about that a little bit last week about how context is important. And so I wanted you to have the context of what we're going to be looking at this morning, even though we're kind of going to be jumping a little bit out of the context of what we're reading. So let's look at Romans uh, chapter 1, 8 through 12. If you'll take your Bibles and open them, we'll read this passage together. Romans chapter 1, verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Let us pray. Father, I want to thank You so much for Your Word to us this morning and the power that it is. Father, I want to thank You that it it really does teach us to slow down and to think about what's written before us and how um, even some of these thoughts are so incredible for us to grasp. And it would be so easy to just read right over this and get into the, the more glorious sections of Romans, perhaps. But Lord, there's some important truth here. Help us to see it. Help us to understand it for Your glory. Help us to live in it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Now, it's sort of championship season, right? We had a, a football championship the other night. There's playoff games going on. And anytime time this type of thing happens, I really like to think about, you know, what, an, what an, an amazing feat it is for a group of people to gather together on a team to work hard and to try to achieve something. Maybe uh, they just want to get better this year. Maybe they want to go for the championship, whatever the case may be. Many of us know what that's like maybe in high school or um elementary age kind of teams. You know, Silas plays baseball and Ian's going to play this this spring. He's going to play baseball. and um, So you kind of get a feel of that uh, by watching kids and being a kid and everything. But there's steps up to that, which is very interesting to me. One athlete wrote of her experience in moving from young age athletics to college athletics. Notice what she said here. Very few of us are lucky enough to be able to continue to be part of a team. In college, these teammates become more than just friends, they become family. They become roommates, classmates, and supporters. You know that your teammates will always help you through any situation, no matter how big or how small. You learn that you can push each other to be the best athlete you can be. You know that criticism directed towards you is just to help you improve your game. And most importantly, you learn that being a part of a team makes your college experience more enjoyable because you have not only your teammates, but also your best friends beside you through the years. It's pretty inspiring stuff, isn't it? A team comes together for a purpose, for a great achievement and all the ups and downs in an almost family-like atmosphere and support. And whether they win or lose, they push, they pull, they prod one another into being more than they are as individuals. They mutually encourage and help one another to greater heights. When we consider our lives, I think that many of us would like to be a part of something like that on a team where they're contributing to something that makes them better as individuals, reaching for something bigger than maybe what we are. Well, welcome to the church. How about that? Welcome to the church. And get this, the church is the team that wins the greatest of all victories in life. Have you thought about that? Do we view the church in this way? You know, it's easy to fall into the cultural trappings of which we view the church as a place where we come to or a place where we go to for religious activity that maybe, and I hate anybody here to think this, but maybe it doesn't have much else to do with the rest of our lives. And I don't think most of you think that, but so many people do. But we know when you look in the Bible from cover to cover and you read about God's people, that's not what we see. For example, I mentioned Jesus' words last week. These words, listen to what He says here. He says, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build My church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now that's just not some religious activity, is it? Think about that for a moment. Is this not more grandiose and and, and victoriously minded in, in terms of a community than we may normally think of it? It is a group of people gathered by God that wins the greatest of all victories in life because He has already won it for us. However, we're still in life. We are still in the game. And God has given us His Word so that we would know how to play, how to uh, play on that field that we're on. And so one of the aspects that I think that are grossly overlooked when it comes to this, and one of the tools that He has given us that we may live and play in this world is the the aspect of spiritual gifts. So back in November, if you remember, you may just remember that we sent out a church survey and we asked you to fill it out and to get it back to us Uh, that was all about your spiritual gifts and we said that this would be about better knowing you and understanding who you are understanding who the makeup of our church is so that we could indeed know him and make him known better because um Of this, because that we're not, as we talked about our year verse last week, not living unto us, but unto Him, I wanted to focus, go back and focus on the topic of spiritual gifts this morning. And that was sort of my plan all along. As we look at glorifying Him in 2019 and even beyond. So in the passage that we just read, you may have noticed as I read it, that I stopped in the middle of Paul's thought. Now, most of the times you would say, don't do that, Patrick. You continue on in the thought and you talk about the thought and see what the Lord is trying to communicate to us in that. But today, I want you to know that that was not a mistake on my part. It is because there's a very deep truth here. That I would like us to take hold of and grasp, as it comes from verses eleven and twelve, as it pertains to our spiritual gifting. But before we get to that truth, I think it wise to do a biblical review of what most of spir- uh, review of what most of spiritual gifts. Uh, uh, understanding of spiritual gifts without getting into a lot of minutia and a lot of different passages. If you look on the handout that you should have picked up when you came in and if you didn't, maybe you can get one on the way out. There's a list of gifts there uh, or a, a list of scriptures there at the top that kind of give you the main passages and the key passages of the spiritual gift text that are, that are labeled in the scripture. So Next week, I'm actually going to be away at a conference, so I'll, Brian Fisher's going to be preaching next week. However, the following week, we will come back and touch on this topic again, uh, so we want to do a high-level view today, and, in, and then the next time, we'll go just a little bit deeper. And so what I want us to do is to have an overview, first of all, and our first point is is an overview of understanding of our spiritual gifts Sort of from a big perspective, okay? So the first thing that we want to see when we consider an overview of spiritual gifts, the first thing is is that spiritual gifts begin with belief and faith in Christ as Lord and Savior. Okay? Spiritual gifts begin with belief and faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Uh, 1 Peter 4.10 begins with the phrase, "...as each..." has received a gift, and then he continues his thought. So it is important to know that every person who trusts in Jesus Christ and has faith in Christ for salvation has been given a spiritual gift from the Lord. And so if you are a believer here, you have been given a spiritual gift or you have been given spiritual gifts. Okay, again, I don't think we think about this enough. What gifts do I have? What what have I been given to the Lord? Well, this brings us to the second point here. And and this means that these gifts are not just for uh, believers, but they are indeed gifts. So you have to understand that that as well. They are gifts in the truest sense of the word. We don't earn them. Uh, We don't uh, um, seek them out. They're not owed us. And we are obviously not given them because we're now super spiritual people of some sort. No, they're gifts from the Lord to His people. So as Ephesians 4, 7 surmises, there are different gifts to the Spirit. He says, Paul says to every one of us who is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And so spiritual gifts are given by the Lord to only believers. They're a gift to us as believers. Every one of us should have at least one, okay? Now, this leads to a third thing kind of on that upper level of a foundation of spiritual gifts, and that's this. The es- and that is what the essence of spiritual gifts are. Now, this is difficult for us sometimes. Okay? This is difficult. uh, Because we often view spiritual gifts as related to our natural talents. And to make this more difficult, sometimes, although a gift is different from a talent, some gifts can be expressed through a talent. Does that make sense? So it's difficult for us at times. But do you see? So you see how there can be some confusion. So those of you who have lived at any time in the world um, and were not a Christian and you thought about these things, maybe you heard Christians talking about their spiritual gifts. You heard them talking about that and, and they would describe their ability to sing or to teach or to perform a certain task. And you may have thought something like, well, that sounds to me like it's a natural talent. What are you talking about spiritual gift? And then maybe you thought, you know, these Christians, they're, you know, they've always got to spiritualize everything. So they're thinking about natural talents, but they're just calling them spiritual gifts and and that's the way it is, but that's not the truth. Spiritual gifts and natural talents are different. Now again, sometimes they can be combined. Sometimes God will use our natural talents to to be spiritual gifts, but lots of times that's not the case. So As you think about this, we need to define natural talents and then we need to define spiritual gifts that we may recognize the difference. Now here's the thing that's even more complicated. They both come from God, don't they? They're both given of God. God gives us our natural talents. He creates us a certain way and He gives us spiritual gifts. But they're different. Remember we talked about it to begin with. They're only given to believers. And so, you know, like you think about the natural talents of the world. Oh my goodness, what are natural talents? Natural talents are that innate, inborn gift of specific activity, either allowing one to demonstrate some immediate skill without practice or to gain skill rapidly with minimal practice. So that's sort of a natural talent, it's an innate or inborn gift. Uh, 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 for a specific activity. Now let me give you a great example of that in a gift. And I've, I've heard stories about this man. You remember Josh Hamilton who played for the Rangers, right? Everybody said he was like the natural that he's gifted. I heard guys say, I can practice and I can practice and I can practice and I can't do anything to where that guy can. It's unbelievable. He just shows up. That's the point. Maybe you've known someone like that. Last week, I uh, we took Siles to a basketball game. And there was this little kid out there, a little blonde kid and everything. And he brings the ball down the court and he dribbles it between his legs and everything. He just goes around the defense. And I went, oh my goodness. Guess what number he was? 23. Michael Jordan's number, right? He should have been. I mean, the kid was unbelievable. I just watched him. He, and uh, one of the parents said, I guess they have a ringer. This kid was Unreal. He just, he just, there's no other kid out there that can play like that kid. He's natural. That's what we're talking about right there. People have natural gifts. But spiritual gifts are different. So let me give you a definition and it's in the handout, so you'll have it. But And this comes from Tim Keller and I used it because I thought it was really good and concise and to the point. This is what he says. A spiritual gift is an ability a power or working or power that comes to you freely, a gift, for the purpose of ministering to needs, service, so as to build up Christian community in size and depth, the common good. This doesn't mean gifts only meet needs of Christians, they meet needs in Jesus' name as a witness and as a sign of the coming kingdom. Well, let's read that again. Look at it. A spiritual gift is an ability that comes to you freely for the purpose of ministering to needs so as to build up Christian community in size and depth. This does not mean uh, gifts only meet needs of Christians. They meet needs in Jesus' name as a witness and sign of the coming kingdom. So do you see the difference? Do you understand the difference? The main distinction here that I want you to grasp is that spiritual gifts are only for Christians and they are for spiritual purposes. A natural talent is not always for spiritual purposes. Spiritual gifts are... So this brings us back to our main text today. We've kind of, again, I only wanted to do a high overview. Gifts are given from God. They are indeed gifts. And they are not natural abilities or talents. They are spiritual gifts for a spiritual purpose. So that's the high overview for us. Okay, so the second point that we have on that I want us to think about and meditate on here is spiritual gifts are given to us for giving. Spiritual gifts are given to us for giving. Look back at the text, Romans chapter 1. Do you see what's going on here? If you were to read through the New Testament and you were to come to this point, this will be the first time you read anything about spiritual gifts. It would be this passage. And perhaps you remember the history here. What's going on in this first chapter? That's why I put the context there starting in verse 8. Paul is arrived to the church in Rome and he says in verse 11, I long to see you. He had longed to see the Roman church. He had longed to go there. And we know that he prayed much about it. He desired it deeply and he was hindered much from it. And yet, it remained a deep desire of his ministry to go and to visit the church in Rome. Now while he had many excellent reasons for wanting to go there, don't miss the reason he states here. Why does he say in verse 11 that he wants to go? He says, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Now, there's a lot of translations of that, or I should say commentaries on that, um, in, in terms of what that means. A lot of people have a lot of different views. This is the view I take, so I'm just telling you right now there's other views. but I, I think I'm right on this. John Piper says this: The translation in part to you, some spiritual gift can be misleading because it sounds like Paul wants to help give them a gift. But the text actually means that he wants to give them the benefit of his gifts. So in other words, it's like he's saying, I long to see you that I may use my gifts to strengthen you. I really think that's what's going on here in the text. More than that, that we may mutually be encouraged And see. The reason why I think that is because of that second phrase after that is he's saying that we may be mutually encouraged. This points to mutual edification. Paul hopes to receive help as well as to give it during his purposed visit to Rome. Let's strengthen one another is what he's saying. Now the big thing that we learn here from this text then is that spiritual gifts are for strengthening others. Strengthening others. Do you see it? Is it unfolding before your eyes? Do you see the deep truth that I said I wanted us to take hold of this morning? The truth that grabs you by the ears and says, Look at me here, look at me. And see, you could read over this real simply here in this, trying to get on to Romans chapter 2 and 3 and beyond. But he says something so significant here that spiritual gifts are given to us for giving. John Calvin put it this way Whatever benefits we may obtain for the Lord have been entrusted to us on this condition that they be applied to the common good of the church. He continues, all the gifts we possess have been bestowed by God and entrusted to us on condition that they be distributed for our neighbor's benefit. The modern day Philip Graham Ryken says it this way, our gifts are entrusted to us by grace and our graces equip us to exercise our gifts to the benefit of others. So the purpose of our gift or gifts that we receive from the Lord is communal and not personal. That's the thing I want you to see. Our gifts are communal and not personal. See, lots of times when we take spiritual gift tests or anything like that, we think of it in terms of what is my gift? When what we should be thinking is, is what gift might the Lord have given me for my brothers and sisters in Christ? Did you see how different that is? The gifts that we have collectively are not our own. They belong to Christ and to His church. You see, God grants all His bestowed gifts for the benefit of His entire body. And all are necessary for the advancement of the kingdom. So the main application from this text is just simple. And that is this. This suggests that our gifts are to be given. They're not to be hoarded. They're not to be hidden away. We're not to look at it like this. Well, my spiritual gift is not nearly as as good as this person's spiritual gift. Because if you look at it that way, you're not glorifying the Lord in the spiritual gift that He gave you, right? Right? So, we are called to use our spiritual gifts. They're not to be exploited even for our self pleasure. They are for others. And so, the question is this do you know yours? Do you know your spiritual gifting? And what are you doing with yours? Today, you know, I'm setting the T, so to speak, and in a couple of weeks we'll come back and we'll look at this. And what I want to do is I want to talk about the next time we gather, just to be reminded that there can be dangers in taking spiritual gift tests. (laughs) You know, I mean, even I had several people write me and say, hey, I'm not sure about these questions. And how, you know, I get it. But we want to start somewhere. And so thank you for you folks who took it. But now we want to press out and look at how do we really discover our gifts? And what do we do about it? And what does that look like for our body? This week, get these points though. Spiritual gifts are gifts given by the Lord and only to believers. A spiritual gift is an ability that comes to you freely for the purpose of ministering to needs so as to build up Christian community and extend it outward. And spiritual gifts are given to us for the giving. Why? Because Christ gave them to us. And that's what I want to conclude on today. I want to focus on Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, um, Paul says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And that's in that spiritual gift section. Hear that again. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Do you see what's going on here? Do you see it? with all this about spiritual gifts, understanding the foundation of it all, here's the deal. If Christ has all of the gifts of the Spirit, and we know He does, right? When He came, He's got all of them. Christ had all the gifts of the Spirit. So now, what this text tells us is is that we're Christ's body. And those who have gifts have been distributed uh, throughout the church You know, those spiritual gifts that have been distributed throughout the church, now we all experience some sort of gifting that comes from Christ. And what this means for us is is that Christ's full work and encouragement is displayed among us, his church. So, if we're the body of Christ, and Christ has gone to heaven, and He is is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God, and He has sent us these spiritual gifts, what we're doing is is we're sharing Christ with one another. We're sharing parts of his, His gifting with one another. Do you see how beautiful that is? You know, when you think about it, who else would come up with something like this? Only the Lord. Only the Lord. His desire was to create a church in which they become the church as Christ's representation on this earth. And as we live and as we breathe, we touch one another in the name of Christ. So in other words, when, when I hear Jason you know, sing and, and use not only his natural talents, but his spiritual gifts, because that's where a situation is where they're kind of connected together and we know it. It's one of the reasons why when I interviewed for coming here and I talked to Jason, I'm like, he gets it. It's a spiritual gifting thing there as well. It's not just natural talent. So within that spiritual gifting, when I hear him sing, I'm hearing Jesus sing. Then you understand. When Ron Quintetano, who is one of the most gifted men that I know in terms of giving and, and organization and stuff like that, when he shares that natural talent that is sometimes turned into a spiritual gift, I know I'm experiencing the things of Jesus. Each one of you have a gift to share with us. And it all comes from Christ. And that's the way Christ wanted it. That's the way He designed it. Only He would do such an extravagant, a mind-blowing thing. So look at it this way. We are called to an interpersonal, spirit-motivated sharing process to share in the glory of Christ as He has gifted us. So let us share. Welcome to the church. The team that wins all the greatest victories in life because of Christ. Spiritual gifts are given to us for the giving because Christ delights to give us his gifts and to see us glorify him. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for your love and mercy. I just ask that you would be with us as we wrestle with these things this week. I pray that we would take these passages and read them like Bereans, try to understand what uh, you would have us to understand, that we would perhaps maybe take spiritual gifting a little more seriously. It seems as though the, uh, the charismatic movement has, has taken these from Scripture and Uh, us more of the reform perspective kind of stand back from that a little bit. Lord, may we not stand back. May we understand that You have given us gifts that we may glorify You. You have given us gifts that we may share them with one another. You have given us gifts that we may see Jesus in one another and empower the Spirit. So Father, thank You. Thank You for this, I pray in Christ's name. Amen.